Hey, this is podcast producer Bobby Richards. And before we start today's episode, I wanted to remind you that our newest course has just landed inside of businessmadesimple.com. It's called How to Grow a Business. And it's the only course out there that completely takes the mystery out of growing your business. Running your business, it shouldn't feel like a guessing game. That's why the How to Grow a Business course gives you a step-by-step plan for managing the six key parts of your business so that you feel confident it's going to grow the right way. In the course, you'll learn how your business needs to run like an airplane and how it breaks down into six key parts that you need to master. There's the cockpit. That's your leadership. The body of your plane is your overhead. The right engine is marketing and the left engine is sales. The wings, that's your product development. And then the fuel tanks is your cash flow. You run out of cash, your business will crash. Calibrating and managing those six parts of your business will allow it to fly far and fast. So to get instant access to how to grow a business, the one course that will teach you everything you need to know to start or build a business, just go to businessmadesimple.com. And for everybody out there listening in real time, if you go to businessmadesimple.com and subscribe by May 26th, you'll get a free 30-minute coaching call with one of our Business Made Simple coaches. This is your chance to get personalized advice and feedback from one of our expert coaches on whatever challenges your business is facing right now. But that free 30-minute coaching call goes away if you do not subscribe by May 26th. So head over to businessmadesimple.com and subscribe today. Welcome to Business Made Simple, the podcast that takes the mystery out of growing your business. This week, we're asking, what happens if you shift the need to control into a need to empower? Our special guests, Charles Koch and Brian Hooks, co-authors of Believe in People, Bottom-Up Solutions for a Top-Down World, explain how this obsession with control is really at the root of many of our problems and offer a solution through empowerment. For anybody wanting to make a difference inside their business or community, this conversation is a fantastic roadmap. But before we start, let's check in with our hosts, Donald Miller and co-hosts, Kula Callahan and Dr. J.J. Peterson. You guys remember that interview that we did, that I did? You guys listened to it, though. Mm-hmm. It was... Um, it was Brian Hooks and Charles Koch who wrote yeah. the book Believe yes. in People. Yes, 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 yes. It's a very good book. It's very inspirational. And and basically their point, they have a, they have many points in the book. It's part kind of memoir-esque on how Charles Koch built this $100 billion plus business. But it, it was also inspirational in the sense that he really argues that if you if you give people the freedom they're going to come up with really genius ideas. Mm. And he has hundreds and hundreds of thousands of employees. You cannot micromanage them. Right. Yeah. And for the, the guy who runs all of the companies at Coke Industries to say, you're free. You're like, you're free. Let's, you know, let's go. Yes. And come up with the ideas. It was very convicting to me because it's not, I don't know if you guys have, have, sense that's not my normal way of doing things <laughs> what i'm trying to say is i'm sorry in some areas it is i don't areas micromanage is. everything yeah right i don't micromanage much at all no but i do have I, when it comes but when it comes to like dictating the vision of the company i do tend to step yes. in a little that's strong. where you that's where you manage that's your gift like though yes it got me thinking though that i need to back off on that on some of that some of it i mean i mean <laughs> i do feel like though we have set up our company in such a way that it's impossible for one person to dictate everything like our yeah. execution system that we run our meeting structure that we have 
our processes for challenging each other's ideas and offering feedback. We've integrated some of that into our culture. So I do think that it would be pretty hard for one person to just dominate everything. That's the whole point of their book. This is my conversation with uh, Brian Hooks, who runs Stand Together, and Charles Koch. It's about their book, Believe in People. Charles Koch and Brian Hooks, welcome. Thanks for having us. Good to be here. Yeah, Don. Appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Well, you've got a new book out called Believe in People, Bottom-Up Solutions for a Top-Down World. I'm curious as to why we need them. What's wrong with our culture right now? What's wrong with top-down management? And why isn't it working? The world was organized totally, almost totally by top-down up until sometime in the 1800s, it started to move away from that. And and what did that mean? That meant that 90% of the world or more of the people were condemned to lives of dire poverty with no opportunity to, to, to find their gift, to find how they could contribute and succeed. When that started to break down, the power of authority over how people live, that is, if you were born in a certain position, you were condemned to that position for your entire life. So when that started to break down and people started to be empowered to find their gift, to to find the best opportunities for applying that gift so they could contribute and succeed, it started to transform uh, the world. And what it did, it moved much more to a bottom-up world where everybody could participate and contribute. I'm not saying it was perfect. And it moved, in my terms, more toward away from a top-down, a centralized power over people's lives to one, not perfect, but more toward one of equal rights and mutual benefit, where people succeeded by assisting one another rather than hurting one another. Well, talk to me about some of the societies who apply these principles even uh, more fully. What, What role did America play in that transformation what role did they play, and then how can we improve upon those principles here in our society? In the book, we make the case that the the North Star in our country, uh, easy to understand that, is the ideals that are articulated in the Declaration of Independence. This idea that as a society, we all succeed when everyone has a role to play and, and has the opportunity to fulfill their potential. Whereas Charles said, a society based on equal rights and mutual benefit, where we empower people to contribute in a way that helps others, and that's how they find their success. That North Star uh, is, is the ideal that our country is working towards. And every time we've made more progress towards that, where we've brought more and more people into the opportunity to participate in our society, we've seen tremendous progress. And, and so what the book puts forward is, is the notion that as a society, we've never lived up to that ideal. But struggling and, and bringing people together to do more and better, to, to move towards that ideal, is the answer to a lot of the challenges that, that we see today. And so we don't live in a perfect society. We never have. But to the extent that we can help to bring more and more people into efforts that, um, that do that, we ought to expect to do, to do better. Because by your life being working on making your life better, you're making other people's lives better. That's 
was the, the principle that was supposed to guide this country. And it's ignored and failed in so many ways. And almost all our problems today, I believe, come from that failure not to live up to the promise of this country as was articulated in that. And that's what uh, one, of, one of my role models, Frederick Douglass, that's what he articulated. I, I want to know from your perspective, uh, what is getting in the way in America today of people being empowered? How have we gone the wrong direction? Give me an example, a practical example. Well, just I, I'll give the philosophy. That's my that's my division of labor. <laughs> and then, Brian, you get into the trenches and, and make change. And we're going to talk about can, that because you've can, you've done things in criminal justice and education that I think are fascinating. Yeah. But, but 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 it's a failure to believe in people. That's central to this whole idea of the principles of human progress. That's where it started. Is when when there started to be belief in other people. And then when that spreads to include everybody, not just people in your tribe, then we have real progress. Brian, you're doing some work in education because I want to dial this down into to how we can actually affect change. Yeah, and absolutely. Charles, you have uh, the Youth Entrepreneurs Program, which, right. is, which is so exciting to me to hear about. And let me tell you why. Let me give you a little background. I grew up in, in Houston, Texas. Uh, Dad split when I was two. Uh, mom had to work till about 7 p.m. Uh, so we, we were latchkey kids, literally a key hanging around a piece of yarn on my neck. And I really grew up believing I was dumb because the, the way that history was taught, the way economics was taught, the way math was taught, it wasn't until my senior year in high school when I snuck in because I had a, I had a job in the counselor's office, I, I fudged some documents and got into an honors psychology course with the valedictorian and those guys. Ended up making a 99 in the course and realized I was intelligent. How can a guy who is actually smart think he's dumb? And you've started a, a, an organization called Youth Entrepreneurship where you actually take each individual student and you, you educate them differently than the rest of the class. You have them start businesses and you're seeing radical transformation. Is that an example of what you're talking about? And let me ask a more pointed question, maybe a controversial question. Is the education system in this country failing to empower everybody? A good part of our education system is based on teacher knows the answers. A teacher will tell you what they are, and then you regurgitate them. So it's teach to test. Uh, and based on averages, one size fits all. My wife and I saw that with kids from tough backgrounds, and these were smart kids, but you could see they were getting no guidance. And that starts with helping the student find his or her gift, find a way to turn it into valued skills, and then learn how to apply it that will create the most value for others that will benefit you. Don, you take that lesson, you extend it across all of the, what we call in the book, the key institutions of society. Mm -hmm. So, And those are education, criminal justice, strong communities. These are the things that people tend to need in order to really realize success in their lives. So education, strong communities, business, and good public policy. And the case yeah. that we make is to the extent that those institutions empower people, people can accomplish anything and they can overcome whatever barriers, you know, are, 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 are holding our country back, holding them back. But if those institutions, like Charles just described in education, 
aren't empowering people. In fact, they're actually creating barriers that we shouldn't be surprised when we see people falling behind. And, and, and that's what we see in this country. So you mentioned criminal justice, which, which is a, an example, I think, of the failure of, frankly, all of these institutions. When, when you don't empower people through education, when you've got crumbling communities and you've got public policy that's punitive rather than empowering, you end up with a criminal justice system that is broken. And it's a wildly disproportionate impact on, on communities of color. It's a broken system. It's an injustice. And so what we, what we demonstrate in the book is that in order to address the problem like criminal justice, uh, we've all got a role. If you're a business leader, you've got a role. Let's figure out a way to employ people who are coming out of the criminal justice system because that's the best way for people to make a life for themselves and their families. If you are interested in helping people to re-enter re communities, we tell the story in the book of, a, of, of groups that do this with a, extraordinary results. You know, in, in our country, recidivism, the, the likelihood that somebody who gets out of jail or, or prison will go back, in some communities, it's as high as 70%. Well, not, not, and not only that, Don, we, we've turned a person who could be contributing, right. producing that, that made everybody's life better into somebody who's a burden. There, there are folks out there who, who believe uh, we need to implement more redistribution of wealth. And, you know, let's be honest. I think their intentions are good. Their intentions and your intentions and my intentions are really all the same. That is to create more equality. Right. The problem is wealth is a lag measure. It's not a lead measure. Opportunity is a lead measure. Education is a lead right. measure. Skills training is a lead measure. It sounds like you guys are actually trying to do something similar, except you're trying to redistribute lead measures that lead to wealth and empowerment rather than lag measures. Am I, am I fair to say that? Is that, about, is that correct? I think what we put forward in the book, and this gets to what Charles was saying, this notion of what's the framework that you use to understand the world? And if you believe in people, if you believe that everybody has a gift and, some, and something to offer, and so the, the focus, say, on, as you said, redistribution, when you scratch the surface of that, what you're re really saying is, I don't believe that some people are going to be able to contribute. And so we've got to organize a society with that in mind. And look, everybody needs help. To, to be successful. And we ought to have a robust social safety net in our country. We talk about that, that in the book. But, but if that's our primary focus, we're gonna miss the opportunity to help people to really thrive and realize their potential and, and ultimately find fulfillment through their own success uh, based on helping others. And, and that's not to say, as we did with, with Family Independence Initiative and we do through youth entrepreneurs, is if you start with nothing, you're going to need some financial help. So you may be the local bank, and local banks are in, in small communities are disappearing. We say that, but it's got to be help that will help empower them to have a life of meaning and contribution. I mean, that's why so many people are bitter. I mean, this is poison. As, as Maslow said, if, if you are not developing your capacity and realizing your potential, you will deep, be deeply happy your entire life, no matter what your external success is or isn't. You know, you, you and I talked yesterday, Charles, about Viktor Frankl. And anybody who's listened to this podcast more than twice has probably heard me talk about Viktor Frankl. And uh, he, I, I told you yesterday he saved, he may not have saved my life, but he saved the quality of my life by helping me understand uh, that meaning comes, and I summarize his theory or his, his therapy by saying uh, 
Meaning comes from three places that act in an interchanged way. One is a project that you are empowered to work on that helps other people. Two is a redemptive or, or optimistic, let's say, perspective on your suffering. And third is community, people that you can share this experience with. When you're talking about the levers of education, the levers of, uh, of, of these huge institutions, you have to talk about government. And most of the people who are listening are really wanting to get down to the basic idea of, Brian, Charles, who do you want me to vote for? <laughs> Right. And, and that's that's a that's a flawed question in the first place because that is a disempowered question. But at the same time, when you're talking about changing education, we're talking about all this stuff. Uh, you're talking about you know having to interact a little bit or a lot with government. Well, yeah, what what we're trying to do is is get away from partisan, but support people who are competing, who are running on. I'm for policies that will better empower people that will enable people to improve their lives. Well, I, I think I think to me what's most important, there, there's a need to improve the way that policy gets made. And I think the core lesson there is let's get rid of uh, the partisan first strategy. And that's certainly what we've done over the past few years and lead with uh, uniting people around policies that will improve people's lives. When we've done that, and that's what we're doing these days, we've seen wild success. You know, the, the story in the book that we share is of criminal justice reform, something that most people were afraid to touch because the extremes in both parties would punish them. But when we got a diverse coalition of, of groups together across the political spectrum, that allowed politicians to do the right thing. And we think that's a model. It gave them political cover. Yeah, it gave them, exactly. It, it, it said, hey, if you do the right thing, we've got your back. And, and this was a diverse group, everybody from the ACLU to the American Conservative Union and, and dozens of organizations in between. We think the same thing is possible going forward on helping to improve the education system. These are issues where the majority of Americans are not satisfied with the current system and they want a better way. They're gonna disagree about the details just like people did on criminal justice. But if there's a, a movement of people that say, hey, we'll get the details right going forward, but let's just take the first step to do the right thing. We think we can get a lot done, and, and that's that's what we're involved in right now. And that's and I'll tell you what, that's what we're inviting other people to get engaged with us on as well, because most people, that's what they want for the body politic. It's just that the extreme partisans in, on both sides are making it tough for others to do it, but we think there's a better way. If people are attracted to these ideas, uh, the book is Believe in People, but if people want to take action, Charles and Brian, what do they need to do? What, what, where would you direct them? Well, I mean, get in touch with us. We, we run an organization called Stand Together. It's a philanthropic community with hundreds of business leaders and philanthropists that have come together to support tens of thousands of social entrepreneurs, people who see solutions to our country's biggest problems when, when most people can't look past the problem. And we pool our knowledge. We, we um we combine our resources to have a greater impact in making a difference, uh, a positive difference in the country than any one of us could on our own. And, and, and the really exciting thing is as we've, we've been more uh, vocal about this, when we've shared our story with more people, we find people from all different backgrounds, all different perspectives are willing to not focus on our differences, but focus on co the common ground that we all share and really, this we, we feel like this movement is gaining momentum. So we'd love to, we'll, we'll make an open invitation. Anybody just get in touch with me. We'd love to work with you. Okay, and where do they go? What's the domain they would want to go to to find out more about? Uh, standtogether.org. Brian, Charles, what what an honor to talk to you guys. Thanks for all the work that you're doing. Good to talk to you, Don. Absolutely. Appreciate being interviewed by a kindred spirit. <laughs>
Well, <clears throat> I think there are a lot of kindred spirits. You might find more out there after this interview. Our StoryBrand certified guides are the best marketers in the world and know how to get your business a huge return. For this week's Marketing Minute tip, our very own StoryBrand marketing guru, Dr. JJ Peterson, talks with StoryBrand certified guide, Blake Ruff. Your client is in the fitness industry and they were kind of losing revenue fast, especially over this past year. So what was going on? Yeah, so we work with a lot of uh, fitness gyms and, you know, other than restaurants, they're one of the hardest hit being closed. And, you know, the biggest thing is people were just afraid of being around groups. So we did a lot of video, you know, using the story brand framework, really dialing in even from an empathy standpoint that we understand that you're scared and you're understand, you know, that you're worried to come in. But on top of that, we realized one great solution was that one-on-one, -on -one, and I always say, if everybody had a personal trainer, we'd all be, all be more fit, right? But this was a perfect scenario to drive revenue faster because it was a higher, higher service, but also provided a better service for the customer as well. I just talked to uh, Jim that actually just did his uh, highest revenue ever and just opened up and he's on the Northeast coast. And then another one on Northeast in Virginia, um, he was about to close his doors literally before he reached out to us. And now he three times his revenue per month. He's doing over $30,000 a month and started around 10. So he was worried about closing his doors. Now he's thinking about opening a second location. So if you wanna get your marketing in shape, then and you need to listen up to this week's Marketing Minute tip. There are moments that you need to pivot your message depending on the different problems that your customers are experiencing. You need to put that on websites. You need to put that in ads. If you need help pivoting your message in this crazy time for your marketing, then hire a StoryBrand certified guide like Blake Ruff today at marketingmadesimple.com. I actually recorded this interview um, probably two or three months ago with Charles Koch and Brian Hooks. And then uh, just about three weeks ago, I drove to South Carolina uh, for an event and listened to the audiobook on the way there. I hadn't listened to the book when I did this interview. I, I wish I had because uh, Believe in People is actually an excellent book. It is uh, very, very stimulating. Uh, it, it gets you thinking about how much we have reined in, you know, I'll speak for America, reined in America's creativity, reined in America's workforce, reined in America's genius, uh, to some degree, uh, let people slip into perhaps a little bit of victim mentality and convince them they needed a big corporation, a big boss, a big politician to take care of them, that they, in fact, did, do not have what it takes to take care of themselves. And it's to our own demise that we're doing this. That, that thought alone, you know, it was a little bit about the country. But it, he also, they also talked about how, how much this is affecting corporations. I found it really convicting because my company has gone from me and Tim to me and 30 other people. And uh, I, 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 I confess, and I'll confess it right in front of my staff, there's times when I think I'm the only one who knows how to make money. The only one. And, uh, and yet, I'll drive through a city and there'll be these 60-story buildings and clearly somebody built that building knows how to make money. Somebody who built the car that I'm driving in knows how to make money. Somebody who uh, designed that billboard and is running that ad for that big company knows how to make money. It's ridiculous to think that we're the only ones who know how to make money. And 
what I've found with my company is the more I set people free, of course, with parameters saying, you know, here's what our objectives are, um, the more they create products that my customers value. And, and I didn't have a whole lot to do with it. I think the big takeaway from me in the book was that people are a lot smarter than you think they are. In fact, they may be a lot smarter than you are. I know that's true on in my staff, and it might be true in yours, but it's going to convince you that you're not alone. You're not the only one. It doesn't all have to rest on your shoulders. Even though some of you are hearing me say that, you're saying, that's not true. If you only knew my, you know, maybe, but probably not. Uh, you probably just haven't set them free enough to help you grow the company. You know, the controlling idea, the takeaway for me was I might not be the smartest guy in the room. And if I set people up and free them up uh, to use their minds and their creativity and their passion, it just may benefit them and me and my customers. Believe in people. It's a good message. Thanks for listening to the Business Made Simple podcast. Growing your business doesn't have to be a mystery. Just go to businessmadesimple.com and for only $275 a year, you get instant access to all of our on-demand courses on messaging, marketing, productivity, proposals, communication, and even our newest Business Made Simple signature course, How to Grow a Business. Plus, you get access to live coaching events with Donald Miller every month. Subscribe for just $275 a year and get everything you need to take the mystery out of growing your business. Just go to businessmadesimple.com.